and welcome to Abbey Archives, a Redwall reread featuring one pagan and one Christian going over the series to see what aged like fine strawberry wine and what aged like milk. I'm Izzy, I use sincere pronouns. And I'm Kit, I use she, her pronouns. You can find us and the content for the podcast, including art and links to other Redwall-related things, at Abbey Archives on Twitter. <laughs> and they're like, oh yeah, that sure is fucking smart. This this does continue a trope where the women in these books are very smart. Yes, like they are the ones who manage to go, boys, put the knives down, let's actually talk. Mm-hmm. They're very smart. We still get those unfortunate tropes where women don't do anything yeah. in quite a few book cornflower. <laughs> Although in Pearls of Lutra, we do have like the lady archer who's just like, I can and will kill as many vermin as I want to. Triss. Until she like finds a hot otter boy and is like, I'm going to stay here and settle down now that I've done my revenge. Triss the, the squirrel. Yeah. Who inherits Martin's sword. Oh, well, heck, like the leader of the squirrels in this book is a lady. Yeah, Lady Amber. Yeah. There are skippers of otters who have been ladies. Yeah. Like, yeah, there are strong, fucking powerful women in these books. But the younger women... Yeah, tend to be... Usually tend to be... That very stereotypical, like... Demure. Kind of demure maiden character who's not very aware of the world outside. Which, and it is unfortunate. It's unfortunate, but also I think it's a fair stereotype for, like, the fact that they are literally raised within like the abbey walls so like of course they wouldn't know about the world outside yeah so i think columbine lived through a fucking plague (laughs) yeah so it's like she is fair she has to be like this is a case of like this is a child who had to grow up too fast because everyone else around her was dying yeah you know to to get heavy for a moment here um yeah and like you do see that in other characters who have had to step up and take, like, I am. I have to take the adult role right now because either A, the adults can't do it, or B, there are no more adults. Um, like, you see that in a yeah. lot of, like, post-apocalyptic uh, young adult stories, a lot of the dystopian stories. You'll have, like, the reason that the kids take control is because the adults are no longer capable. Either they're too entrenched in the system or they have all been killed or things along those lines yeah um like i can remember short stories of like there's this one apocalypse story i don't really remember a lot about it but like this girl and her brother and their dog are stuck in the middle of like a nowhere apocalypse and they're trying to find their way to a radio tower where they think their dad is and the older sister is only like she's like 14 or 15 years old and she has to take care of a younger brother and just, like, she's not ready to be an adult, but she has to grow up fast. And because of her yeah. situation, she gets smart quick, you know. Yeah. I I still am not overly fond of it going forward where there are young women characters that are useless. Yeah. <laughs> or, like, intentionally play it off of, like, oh, it's the stupid girl who only cares about propriety. Or this is the girl who yeah. only cares about, like doing girl things like oh no you shouldn't be doing that and then it's like i'm a tough independent girl i'm gonna do it anyway um honestly i think cornflower might be the worst example for this i'm surprised i remember her goddamn name (laughs) um but because there are as the books go on as we talked about because a lot of those books we were talking about are later books yeah where like 
women characters. I'm pretty sure there's also like a Lady Logalog at one point. Yeah, at least one I can remember of. Remember yeah. of. <laughs> and like we get there's warrior badger women that also happen. Yeah, which it, is it what just it which is what does like amuse me. And she's like, only the males make trips to Salamandastron, and I'm like, are you sure about that? <laughs> <laughs> are you sure about that, Bella? Yes. Are you sure about that? Um. Anyway, moving on from I I want to make a comment because yes. like the next thing is like Zarmina just being a cat. Yeah, <laughs> she just fucking wrecks a rug because she can because <laughs> she's just so like she's just like. Ah, yes, I am so good at thing. Being a goddamn cat. Just very happily. Just, yes, I'm going to... Destruction. And then this is where Ferdy and Cogs happen. I am very surprised. Like, like, I will admit that half the time the Dibbons are my least favorite parts of the books. I love Ferdy and Cogs. They're adorable. Right, because they are well-written. Like, they're kids... But, like, they are in, like, a tough situation. And you know what? They're competent. They're not incredible. They're not stupid. Mm-hmm. Like, like a lot of the kids in the books are played as, like, oh, they're innocent, you know, little dibbins who, who talk in, like, the little kid speak and stuff like that. The dibbin speak. Dibbin, speak. dibbin talk is so annoying. Oh, I hate it. It's like, because real kids don't talk like this, that. This is why I think that Ferdy and Cogs are a little bit older. Yeah. Um, as well. Like, I think they're, like, eight, yeah. between eight and ten. Um, because, like, a lot of times when we see like dibbins. dibbins they're dibbins yeah. they're they're like five um and also they grew up in this system yeah a lot of times when we see dibbins outside of the abbey they're like ferdy and cox right they don't really speak in the dibbin speak they don't they're much more aware of what's going on they're much more ready to like yeah i want to fight yeah or if they are and everyone's like please don't do that yeah. You know, child. Um, yeah. And they just go and they're like, bye. Yeah. We're going to go be like Martin. We're going to go help. Also, like the stereotype of like, oh, we're going to trick the stupid kid by telling him this is a really important job. It's like kids can be tricked like that, but they're not entirely stupid. You know, like when I was a kid, I knew but when I was did, getting like, work. Here's the thing, though. They did actually let Ferdy and Cogs stand watch. That's true. They did. They gave them, like, they, they they had food. They had set up, like, their own little, like, sentry area. Yeah. Like, Ferdy and Cogs were legitimately keeping watch. Yeah. They weren't good at it. But they did. <laughs> and there was definitely other adults around yeah. keeping better watch, but they were doing yeah. it. It's not like they were being put up to it and then there was an adult standing right next to them. Yeah. What I imagine is they were out there and there were, like, some squirrels. Because the squirrels are the more ideal lookouts. Right, because they can get up in the trees and move around fast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I, I can definitely say they were actually doing the thing. Yeah. Um, so I feel like in this book, in, like, both times that they did it. Yeah. Because they did it twice. <laughs> um, they were legitimately, you know, doing the thing. But Ferdy and Cogs were like... Pachu, we go! Yeah. And it's like, oh, you sweet, sweet babies. Also, you're so with their names being Ferdy and Cogs, every time I hear Cog, I think of that song, like, The Death of the Cog. Oh, yeah, the Cog is every dead. Every time. It's stuck in my head. Every time I read that, it was just like, <laughs> <laughs> I blame You're trapped you forever in steampunk for music. For the death of the Cog. Yeah. <laughs> You'll never escape the steampunk music. I can't either. I love the Cog is dead as a band. <laughs> 
make good music. They do. I'm not saying they don't, but it's just like <laughs> I have been ruined. <laughs> Steam Power Giraffe ruined us. Oh my god. Because I keep seeing Ferdy. <laughs> I know. I'm just like, what's Ferdinand doing here? Um, some context. Ferdinand is a character of mine who was created due to Steam Power Giraffe roleplay, and I will admit this because I was part of the community for like two or three years before we all just decided we're done with this and left. Well, because there was a lot of weird drama going on. Yeah, it was. Also, yeah, it, it got it got kind of weird. There, this was a very weird time for the fandom because there was some shit going a on, lot of both within the community itself and the band. Yeah. Oh, that was not a good time. I will say. Anyway, yeah. that had nothing to do with this. Yeah. Um. God, the fucking mooks. Oh my god, these characters are mooks. This is where. We get Fortunata and Ashleg's two groups running into each other and the comedy of errors that is them beating each other up and then Clud capturing the children. Yeah. And I understand why the mooks are written the way that they are. It's the black and white, good guy, bad guy stuff and kids love it. It makes for a, it's an easy cliche to follow. But as an adult, like I have said before, you pick up on those nuances of where these things come from and it stops being funny and is just sad. Especially because like, and as, as like, I am, I jokingly call myself an armchair historian because I work as a janitor. <laughs> I have four hours a night of dead silence unless I provide my own entertainment. I listen to a lot of history podcasts. So mm-hmm. like listening to the good history podcasts the yeah. good ones, they will be, they will make a point to tell both sides. They will try to explain this is why a thing happened to the best of our knowledge. Because sometimes, like, sometimes we just don't know why two sides decided they just, they were just gonna up and kill each other. Other times they're yeah. like, we can, we know the social reasons, we can see the political reasons, and also the geological reasons. Like, what caused these events? Like, maybe there was a famine in this one place, so they raided this other place that had more food, you know? So, like, here, again, like, I actually make a note on, um, about 143, more monarchy is bad, so is conquest. Let me see. And I think this comes from Starmina herself. Uh, let's see. Where is it? Here we go. Like, Starmina talking about, uh, ah, what business is it of yours anyway? Like, talking about, like, how, like, all the smart, uh, mooks are put down. You're not supposed to think only to carry out orders. It's my job to do all the brain work around here. I suppose nothing will bother you three until the food supplies run out. Oh, they won't last forever, you know. I've seen it for myself. The stores are getting lower since we were unable to levy tribute from the few that lived around our walls. That's the trouble with being a conqueror and having an army to feed. Soldiers are no good at providing anything unless they can snatch it away from the helpless. You know, it's like that right there. That's the black and white. You know, either you're a farmer or you're a warrior. Either you take or you create. Again, easy for a kid to digest. Very blatant. Very, you know, good for like a younger reader. It's like kids first big novel kind of a thing. Yeah. Because like, I feel like a lot of like um, Guardians of Ghoul, warrior cats, animorphs, like a lot of us who grew up reading like those kinds of books. (laughs) 
I think like for a lot of us, like our next step up was Redwall. It was like, it's a very good transition series between like the chapter book to the novel. But it's also weird. It's weird because there's a degree to where the black and white in, in the Redwall books is actually more stark than it is in, uh, Guardians of Kahul, Warrior Cats, and Animorphs. I don't know. Guardians of Kahul is pretty damn black and white. When you've got a Nazi that's, allegory. That's fair. I have not read those books in so fucking long to be in my defense. Yeah. But I know... Well, St. Saint, Saint Aggie's like the first villains. They're, they're very odd in that, like, I'm not sure what they're supposed to be a metaphor for. But like they might just be a metaphor for bad guys. Yeah. But like when when the like they literally call themselves the pure ones start showing up, oh, it's God. like that's the Nazi mm. metaphor. Like they're okay. very clearly the bad guys. Dad, that's fair. But with warrior cats and um, animorphs, yeah. especially when you start getting into the more supplemental stuff for animorphs. Yeah. The black and the black and white. That's is, not the black yeah. and white is out the fucking window. It's like yes, in a lot of the animorphs like main books, there is a lot of kind of black and white. But that's because we are dealing with literal children in these books, and that is how they look at things. It's very difficult as a kid to get that nuance. Yep. But when you read it, hey, a uh, quick shout out. Listen to Escafil Files yes. if you want more of this. They do a very good job. They are very good. And they discuss the books very well. If you like Animorphs, please go listen to them. They're fantastic. They they inspired us to make our podcast, yep. actually. Um, we love you, Danielle. We love you, Jade. <laughs> We've guested on that podcast a few yeah. times, actually. Yeah. Both of us. I got I got to <laughs> guest for, like, a few episodes and cry about Andalites, yeah. so. <laughs> Me on every single Axe book. Like, <laughs> my son! <laughs> but, so, like, the Andalites are not black and white whatsoever. Yeah. The Yurks are not black and white. Like, they're black and white later on. Yeah. But their their origins are very muddy. Yeah. Literally for the years. And, black! <laughs> ha, ha, ha. Um, I feel like as far Go, as leave. like with Warrior Cats. Sorry, go ahead. I wanna I wanna talk yes. about Warrior Cats really quick because I've read a few books. I haven't read the whole thing, but I know that is there there's some characters who are black and white. Yes, these characters are fucking evil. But the interpolitics between the cat clans is oh my god it is bonkers um like don't read the warrior cats books for the love of god if you didn't read them as a child don't read them now you're gonna just be like what the fuck they are wild listen to podcasts that read them (laughs) and discuss them because honestly at this this point i might have to because like i've got two like (laughs) teenagers in one of my servers who are like into warrior cats and i'm like same. I want context so I can understand these children and interact with them, you know? Um, shout yeah, out, I, I shout know out to my two babies ch- in my server. I love you, too! Yes. <laughs> They're very good. Um, there's, in another server that I'm in with um, some local friends, there's, uh, most of them have read Warrior Cats and I have not, and it's to the point where we've got, like, everybody has their, like, Warrior Cats clan as a role. Oh my god. <laughs> and we have, like, little, like, uh, server emojis for the clans, and I think I'm Water Clan. Squirrels. No, no. <laughs> you, you know how you know how it is. If we haven't read Warrior Warrior Cats, we're all just a bunch of kitty pets. That's just, that's, that's the truth fair. of it. <laughs> yeah. We don't know their yeah. world, so we're just kitty pets. Problem solved. <laughs> we are kitty pets. Yes. But, like, I took a, I took a you quiz, and it was like, you're Water Clan, and I'm like, cool. Oh, that's cute. Okay. 
I'm a swimming cat. This makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so like those books were really weird because of how nuanced they were with this like not so black and white, especially as they got further along. Like I know as Animorphs got further along, it was ghost written, but we had the longer supplementals. Yeah. Like Megamorphs and um, the Chronicles and like Chronicles. Oh man, um, when we get to uh, I cannot uh, wait for them to get to Horkbajir. <laughs> yes, um. I fucking sometimes with Brian J's writing. <laughs> most of the time it's fine, but then you get like end of chapter things where it's like, Ferdy and Cogs were well and truly captured. And it is so out of place. That's, again, like, that's the British coming out really hard. Oh because my god. I've never, it's definitely, like, I've, really pushing that, like, this this chapter's from the perspective of children. Yeah. <laughs> Not just that, but, like, I've never heard, like, an English person or an English writer use well and truly at all. Like, it's I know it is so a thing, funny. but, like, I've, like, that's almost exclusively I've experienced that in, like, British written books. But I, I love it when you have, like, the author's voice kind of slip through like that. Like, you can tell the editor didn't quite catch that. Um, <laughs> like, I, I was listening to... It makes me think of, like, I was listening to um, the Shriek cast. Like, God, we're shouting out so many mm-hmm. podcasts. The Shrieking Shack. Shrieking the Shrieking yeah. Shack. We're shouting out so many podcasts on our own first episode. Um, listen, can you tell we had many inspirations? Um, yeah. But, like, they talk about how, like... I think it's, like, in book four, you can tell that's where she stopped having, like, the really tight editor... Because, like, a lot of, like, the writing... It doesn't get sloppier, but you get a lot more variation. Book four was after the first movie came out, wasn't uh-huh. it? Yeah. Like, I, the first movie yeah. came out, like, after book it's, three released. And that's when, like, the... It's, it's like, how fucking Stephen King... Yeah. His later... Like, his more recent books are all so much because editors won't actually edit his shit yeah. anymore. And they let him write whatever the fuck he wants. And it's like, my dude. Also, like, I feel like some authors get tired as they write. So sometimes they'll slip in or slip up styles. Mm -hmm. Like, there's one author whom I love to death, uh, Mercedes Lackey. And I love her (laughs) to death. Like, 80% of her books that I have read. Kit, I love you. What? Kit, I love you. You are so basic sometimes she okay well remember at the top of the podcast when <laughs> no, I'm, I'm making i'm making fun of you i also like some of uh, some yeah. of mercedes lackey's books but like remember when i mentioned i'm just fast- saying they are such a standard base bunches of novels for fantasy yes, they are and like that's what i said like remember when i mentioned fast food books that's I fair consider her that's stuff fair fast food books i know i can pick up a mercedes novel and most of the time i will like it but the, but yeah. the it's like me reading Dean Koontz yes. as a horror novel. They all follow the same pattern, yeah. and they're all the they're all usually set in the same place because Dean Koontz only writes places he's been yep. to. Which you know what? Fair. Yeah. He knows them really well, so he can do weird esoteric details. I mean, like half of my fantasy and, but, stories are set in magical California. So <laughs> that's fair. Yeah, no, they are. You nerd. <laughs> I mean, most of mine are set in fucking fantasy Georgia or Appalachia, yeah. so, like, fucking... But anyway, back to the subject matter, though, of, like, writers having off moments. Um, like, the worst book of hers I ever read was, like, Beauty and the Werewolf, where it was, like, it was awful. It was terrible. It was, like, she must have written this and just been on autopilot because it wasn't even entertainingly bad. It was just boring. Like, I read it, thought, why did I waste my time, and then threw the book away. It was that bad. 
But, you know, like, even with when Brian slips of like, little slip-ups are like, and they were well and truly captured, like, that's kind of a fun little, it's a fun little thing that makes you pay back attention, like, oh, hold on a minute, it checks your brain back in. Like, that was something Yeah, different. instead of, because if you're, like, uh, these are those books that definitely when kids read them, and I did this with them, is you speed read. Yes. Where, so there's a lot of, like, I've reread books that I read as a kid, and there are details that, like, I never picked up on, because my eyes just glossed over yeah. them. That's how I read books were escapism for me yep to get into some mental health stuff um i was definitely one of those book kids that would just destroy two to three books in a day yeah because i was speed reading them so that i wouldn't have to focus on the things that were actually bothering me um they were also ways to kind of dissociate Mm -hmm. Because that's what it was. It was speed reading like that is a form of dissociation. It's easier to live um, in another character's God. problems than your own. Yeah. It's really common in kids with ADHD and autism mm-hmm. who are struggling with the beginnings of depression and anxiety. Um, and, you know, as you get older, you move away from reading books because you have less time and you find other things to dissociate to. Like for me right now, that's fucking TikTok. Oh, I am trying to limit my amount of TikTok time because of this, because I know that TikTok can become one of those things where I am just throwing myself into it and not doing it. And I did that for a a little bit when I first got into TikTok. I know for me, like Um, the things that I will really like when I am stressed, I know there are certain things that I can get into because I know once the stressor is acknowledged, I'll be able to get out of it. For me, it's like farming sim games, Harvest Moon, Stardew Valley. Well, actually not Harvest Moon anymore because... Harvest Moon is just a name and it sucks now, but Story of Seasons, um, you know, uh, Stardew Valley, even like the stupid, the Jurassic World Evolution game, I was hooked (laughs) on that for a couple of months because it was like, it was the perfect amount of like, I had enough instructions and goals, but I had enough freedom to like really just let myself have fun and explore. And like, it was the perfect like de-stressor after what had been like a very stressful month. And- the Redwall books were those for me when I was in fifth grade, especially. Uh, um, fifth grade was the year that my ADHD really started getting bad. And I stopped uh, being able to pay attention in class as much because I was a gifted kid also. Like, quote unquote, gifted kid. You know how that did. I sure do. Uh, yeah. And, you know, gifted kids are treated like they... they are smarter than everybody else they can do more than everybody else and so obviously they should be getting like straight a's and i couldn't focus on class anymore because it wasn't one it wasn't the way that my brain should have been learning as it started developing more um and nothing was keeping my interest like i was very good at spelling i was very good at vocabulary i was very good at english and reading I was good at science. I was good at social studies. And then math happened. Math started getting harder. Yeah. And I am pretty sure I have a mild form of dyscalculia, which is like dyslexia, but math. Yeah. It, it's dyslexia, but math and numbers, which is a very reductive way of putting it. But I mean, I understand. I don't have time to explain the whole thing. Basically, like as someone else who like the only subject I ever failed in school was math. Basically, our brains don't, like, 
we literally don't parse the numbers on an on an intrinsic scale i can understand like here are the formulas these formulas should work this way but then like yeah. as soon as somebody throws a curveball at me my brain just goes i cannot work with this formula anymore because it is not how it was explicitly explained to me yeah and there's and there's some people who are very very good at math whether they're neurotypical or neurodivergent because numbers make sense to them because of the way that their brain is wired. Yeah. Unfortunately, for my brain, it is not wired to be good at math unless I am actively using it. So I would read books in math. And as I got older, that turned into drawing. Mm -hmm. And reading. It depended on the class. Depending on what I could get away with. Yep. Um, God. School sucks. Yeah, it's not great. <laughs> The American school system is very, very stressful, and this is an unfortunate thing that happens with a lot of neurodivergent kids, is they fall into that kind of dissociativeness. And, yeah. like, the Red Bull books, like you said, they're they're junk food books. They are really easy to just kind of get into and fall into and just completely ignore the rest and of the world. And those kinds of books are so, like, like I want to make one thing very crystal clear here. When I talk about fast food or junk food books, I am not talking about that in a derogatory way. Those kinds of books are extremely important because those kinds of books can save lives. They are something that are, you don't have to worry about them when you read them. You just know that they are going to be a safe read that you can put yourself into to let the world slip away for a few hours. They yeah. like junk food books can still be very well written and very, they wouldn't be fun to read if they weren't well written, you know? Yeah. It's just, it's. Or like they weren't engaging on some yes. level. Yes. Basically, they're not Tolkien who decides to describe every little fiddly detail. It's like, this is not important, sir. Can we get back to the plot? You know. <laughs> I I read one Game of Thrones book. I read the first one. God. And I I was like, is this how all of them are? Oh, it is. No. I had family members and friends going like, you should read this Game of Thrones things. It's a fantasy series. You'll like it. And I'm like, I've already been warned that he kills off a bunch of characters and it's like full of sex and like really boring, like... I'm going to stab your back politics. I don't want to read that kind of fantasy. I want to read the fantasy kind of fantasies where a girl gets a magical horse companion and then seduces a sexy hawk brother who has a magical hawk companion. That's the kind of fantasy I want, you know. <laughs> I want to read fantasies where uh, somebody has to go on a quest to find, like, a dangerous, murderous unicorn. Yes! That is a book that exists. I do not remember the name of it, but it was fucking oh good. Oh my god, like, there was a unicorn series my sister had when we were kids and we'd read it together. The only thing I can remember from it is that she had like this squirrel companion and at one point a dragon starts to dive bomb them and the squirrel companion creature yells, run, hide, cover butts, hacha! And that was like the one line from the book I can remember because Angela and I still yell at each other sometimes. <laughs> God. Hey, any listeners out there, if you remember a unicorn series with a girl who's like her grandmother or her mom was a unicorn, but then she married a human. So she was born a human. But then she's also like a unicorn princess and gets sucked back into the unicorn world. Please help me find it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. You're probably. Anyway, so back to the back book. to the book. Um, let's talk about this fucking riddle quest. Oh, God. I hate I hate the riddle quests in these books. I do not like them. Like, some of them are fun. Because either they make zero sense or they're too easy. Yeah. No, the goose, the goose poem, that because was Because that's... That is a fun... It's not a riddle. It's a weird poem. Yes. I want to read it. Hold on. Where and again, it? like, while you're looking that up, this again comes to my point of, like, 
the riddles, a lot of the riddles in these books only work if everyone in this culture is literate and not only literate, but that they have the same unified spelling system. Because so many of these riddles depend upon the fact that you can write and read, which back in those days, riddles were not like that. They were vocal riddles that they were oral. oral. That's yes. how we have like weird riddles like that are so esoteric that understanding them is like, what the Right, fuck? like, anyway. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm going to read it. Because, oh my god. Because, like, the first parts of this was, yeah, Martin found something that was like, you need to turn the crest or whatever, and uh, Bella was like, well, there's two crests, and then she breaks the one off the door and is, like, really, really sheepish about it, like, oh, I think I was a little too strong. And then Gomp and it was, she was like, oops. And Denny was like, I'll get my granddad to fix it. No. Um, And then they go and um, suggest, like, in. Moles are dwarves! They're just dwarves! Um. They are dwarves. Aren't oh they? my god! Oh my god! Except they don't metal yeah. work. Yeah. Well, I mean, his dad is going to do metal work when he fixes the door. Yeah, but like that's the thing that all of the creatures could do. Like Brock Hall is described as being a very mix. Like it's a mix of skills from all of the okay, creatures. Okay, fair enough. Put into one home. For that matter, I don't think we so, ever like, do meet a black like a blacksmith who works for the Abbey, do we? Oh well, well, I don't remember. I don't Bookmark remember. Bookmark that for a later book. <laughs> we'll, fig- we'll, f- we'll figure it eventually. So, yeah. And then they have this this fucking riddle that's just... Uh, they get the thing out of the the crest and they get, like... Boar is a badger named after wood, not after forest, but trees. Where did you play on a rainy day? Where did I eat bread and cheese? Search inside, stay indoors, look up, and find the secret is yours. Your castle, your fort, or so you thought. The way is in four trees, the way is in boar and brock hall, under ale, under bread, under cheese. What? <laughs> right. And, like, there were leaves that fell out of, like, the thing that they found it in. And, it's and just, the thing is that they're the, just like, the, oh, those leaves aren't important. It's like... Oh my god. They came with a riddle. Of course they're right. important. Like, I'm, like They're always important. And then they find out, oh, it was this little table in the kitchen that's made of these four different woods where the first letter spell of each one spells out yeah. boar. And there's just a map at the bottom. Like, not a map, but it's another fucking another riddle, part thing two written riddle in fast. Old Badger speak. Uh, old Badger speak. And it's... Okay, and god, here's, here's my nitpick speak. part two translating riddles does not work because if we're talking about written riddles sometimes even oral riddles the context of the language is what matters and the spelling of the language is what matters so translating it is not going to get you the same spelling although like again like they're translating it into the the goose's message so that can work but then they're like oh well i translated this riddle and when i translated to english I got these four letters, which spells exactly the word we need. I'm just like, language doesn't work that way. Like, Martin says, do you think we've missed anything, Bella? And the badger looked indignant. Certainly not. It's all there, word for word. (laughs) Like, I'm sorry, Miss Badger Mum, but languages shift. Languages change. Why do you think we have such a hard time translating certain languages? Even old old English can trip us up. You know? Again, because of the great what vowel is that, what is that? What is, what is that story that we've translated so often, but there's like one line that every time somebody translates it, they translate it different. Oh, it starts shit. with a B. Beowulf? It starts with a B. Yes, Beowulf. Yeah, Beowulf. 
And Beowulf there's a line a, in it that gets translated different ways every time they translate it. And no one knows what the actual translation is supposed to be because the word is so fucking weird. Yeah. And same with Shakespeare. We yeah. do it with Shakespeare. Well, Shakespeare also just made up his own words. Yes, too, he did so. make up fucking words. Which, Let you know, thank nothing. you, Shakespeare. But... <laughs> but Much to do about nothing is a double entendre. Yes, I know. <laughs> Don't you giggle at me, you little... <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm going to read this now. Okay. <laughs> so, we of the free sky do wing our way there. But if you be an earthwalker, it will be a long, hard journey. Here is the way I will tell you to go. I begin as I fly over Brock Hall. Twixt earth and sky where birds can fly, I look below to see. A place of wood with plumage green that breezes move like sea. Behind me as the dawn breaks clear, wood pigeons come awake. See brown dust roll twixt green and gold, unwinding like a snake. So fly and sing, the wild goose is king. O'er golden acres far below our wings beat strong and true. We're deep and wet, see flowing yet another snake of blue. Across the earth is changing shape with form and color deep. Afar the teeth of land rise up to bite the wool of sheep. So fly and sing, the wild goose is king. Beyond this much is lost in mist, but here and there I see the treachery of muddy gray, tis no place for the free. O feathered brethren of the air, flesh straight and do not fall. Onward cross the wet gold flat where seabirds wheel and call. So fly and sing, the wild goose is king. The uh, skies are growing darker sea, our beacon shining bright. Go high across the single fang that burns into the night. We leave you now as we wing on, our journey then must be, where sky and water meet in line, and sun drowns in the sea. So fly and sing, the wild goose is king. They are dumb. Very. Because this is easy. Yeah. This is... They, they're like, oh, well, we know that this is the road... And this is probably, there's like a stream or something. What the fuck is teeth to bite the wool of sheep? Mountains. Mountains. Also, I, I will say. Sheep? Also sheep. Also sheep. Here's yes, where your sheep, sheep mention reference. is. Yeah. Where's the sheep? What where happened the to the sheep? sheep? Brian? Where are the sheep? Mr. The Brian, sheep? sir. Mr. Brian, sir. <laughs> we can't ask him because he's dead. Mr. Brian, wait, sir, where wait, are the sheep? Wait, I know. They're living with the northern wolves. Probably. Because who better to herd sheep than wolves, right? <laughs> <laughs> Although, I will say, after, after like, the, la- uh, the teeth of land rise up to bite the wolf sheep, it does get more cryptic because it's like, yeah. uh, much is lost in mist, but here and there I see the treachery of muddy gray is no place for the free. Like, that is kind of like, you have to be there to see it. Yeah. And I don't even, I don't remember what the fuck it is. That's probably the frogs. Yeah, that's probably like a swamp. Yeah. Um... But I will I say, the, like, no, to, to I was be, like, I thought the frogs were in the mountains, but that's where the bats are. Yeah, and there's also, bats also. Yeah. To to be fair to the the woodlanders, um, we have to remember that before airplane technology, maps were not drawn with a topo- a to- topographical topographical. They were not drawn with a topographic view in mind. Maps were drawn with landmarks. So yeah. you have a flighted creature who is used to looking down upon the world, trying to describe something in a way that a landbound creature would be able to use. And there is a big difference between the two, you know, like strictly landmarks and being able to see things from the air. It really does make a big difference. Like if you look up actual old maps, like pre 
you know, air flight pre-balloon even, you will see they are very different. They draw landmarks instead of roads and things like that. This is fair. And that means that also all of the distance is skewed. Right. Like, they're not used to thinking from a top-down position. Like, that's one reason it's such a big deal when he's like, wait a minute, we're going about this the wrong way. We need to think about this like we are a goose, like we are flying. And that's when they start to make their breakthroughs. It's when they stop thinking like landed creatures and remember, hey, we got these directions from a goose. We need to think <laughs> goose. We need to think like Sky Furrow, which it's... is the name of the goose. Also, I say think goose, my brain goes to the aristocrats with that stupid little... The, stupid the aristocrats. The aristocrats uh, with those stupid do, geese do, sisters. Do, 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 like, they're on holiday! Do, 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 do. The butt wiggles. They're so good, though. <sighs> oh, God. And then they just, they're just like, okay, we figured out part of it. We just need to go, and we'll figure out the rest as we go. And it's like, you know what? That's valid. Um, we already kind of... As this goes forward, we've got a lot of the swapping of uh, uh, scene as it happens yeah. at the same time, which is where we get this very jarring it gets uh, worse point of view switch. Into... Yeah. yeah, it gets worse as we get towards the end of this first part of Moss Flower, where we've just got these weird point of view swaps between the battle in the forest and... And our three heroes who yeah. are go, like go, doing a hero's journey, essentially. It's just the only, sometimes we get the little like ellipsy break where we've got the three stylized dots, which I think is most of to, the time. I think that's meant to like express that like more time has passed. Yeah, but most of the time in the in this book, it's just double space indent. Yeah, that's it. Yep. Like, it's just you hit enter twice, indent. And uh, it's just a paragraph break. And good luck figuring out who it is until someone's name is dropped or we get a location. Yeah. And it's, it's, in this book, it's honestly a little bit easier because it, it drops us in media res, essentially. Yeah. And there, So it's like, but, okay. And at least there's only, like, three, three settings that we're following. Yeah. And they're all within. Because then it starts switching between inside the dungeon, like, yeah. the, 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 the cells, and the battle, and our three heroes, and, and it's like, heroes. oh my god, yeah, everything is so much all the time. I, one, Skipper and Lady Anne were being ready to die, like, just straight up die, sure is a lot. Yeah. Like, we're gonna defend <laughs> they're just, you. They're it's ready like, to die. It's like, why are What you do you guys do here? on a regular basis? Yeah, it's like, why are you making your death stand here? Like, you are wasting, like, you are so important to their fight. Like, why are you just like, yeah, we'll die to protect you? It's like, no! This is not probably the because for their probably because for their people there's already somebody in place to take over should that happen. True. It would not be as demoralizing as it would be for the pastoral woodlanders. Yeah, that is true. Like the pastoral woodlanders would get demoralized by their deaths straight up. And Definitely. like even their own people would get demoralized to a degree, but they are also aware no, we have to keep going. Here is our next leader. Let's go. It's also one thing I have noticed with like, as far as like the otters go, um, in a lot of fantasy series where animals are like sentient, there's often kind of mm -hmm. like this, like ocean and water creatures, like ocean and river, they are often portrayed as like, they, they are closer to death than land animals are. And Which is true. <laughs> like, all right. Do you mind if I do drop spoilers for B-Stars? 
Go for it. I don't care. Okay, so in the manga, they so spoilers for B stars. Yeah, spoilers for B stars. In the manga, they reveal that like one of the solutions to the predators' issues is that just straight up start eating fish. And this freaks Lagoshi out because he's like, can't fish talk too? And they still like, well, yeah, but in the ocean, we don't consider it a crime if you eat someone. You have to appreciate, like, yes, you have to appreciate the life that you just took, but that's just how things are. You have to eat to stay strong. And, you know, sometimes you have to eat each other. And if you think about it in the ocean, they don't have like the supplements that the land predators have. So they have to continue mm-hmm. to eat meat. Um and, like, they straight up say, like, look, like, we'll start giving you fish sausages to help the predators out. Because, like, the predators have, like, a revolution where they're just like, we're sick of this back market bullshit. We want to protect the herbivores. They're our friends, you know. Um, it's like they reveal that, like, because they live in the ocean, they are constantly around, like, you could die at any moment. Because when you're in the ocean, if you're out, like, away from coral or, like, the continental shelves, you're in open ocean. You can get nailed any time, you know. Yeah. So, like, a lot of times, ocean or water critters, things that live in a more dangerous environment, it's easier for them to accept that death is around every corner. Yeah. Long story short. <laughs> short story long. <laughs> it's because the, the, like, yes, natural disasters happen on land, but it's much easier in the ocean for something to go wrong. Yes. Just like it's much easier for something to go wrong if you're in the air. Yeah. Like, people don't appreciate oh. how much uh, security the ground gives us. <laughs> yeah. Me, whenever I, like, Skyward Sword just dropped, like, the HD one, which I'm not going to buy because, Nintendo, you are crazy if you think I'm going to spend $60 on Skyward Sword. This is, like, Skyrim, um, yeah, honestly. Honestly. Um, then the only reason they're dropping it is because, like, they're definitely going to have it be plot relevant for Breath of the Wild 2 next year. Um, but I'm going to wait until they drop the price because Nintendo, I'm not buying that until it's at least like down to 30 or $20 even. Um, but anyway, whenever I play, like when I watch a friend play those games or like, I'll go through and watch like a let's play. I'm always just like, I'm so glad I don't live on Skyloft because I would be having constant anxiety fits over the fact that we are floating on an island in the air. With nothing but vague yeah. goddess magic keeping us in the air, which I am sorry, goddess, you do not have a very good track record. Looks pointedly at Ganondorf. Also, Subnautica. Mm. Subnautica is so good, but holy shit. I could not play it. I can't. I want to, but I also am aware that I would die so many times. Yes. <laughs> So long story short, is... ocean scary. No wonder the otter is otters are just like, yeah, we don't mind. Also, they swim in streams with like giant ass pike that can eat them at any time. So, yeah, pretty much. Um, to move along a little faster, so that we can yes. get finished. I have a note here that is just me reading Gingivere, spending time with Ferdy and Cogs, and I was very happy. And then me remembers what happens to Gingivere and gets sad. <laughs> don't kill Gingivere. Damn it, I know they're going to, but I'm going to be so mad when it happens. Also, yeah, and this is also where we get that, uh, where, like, Zarmina is very, very clever. Like, the Woodlanders are clever. Yeah. Their idea was very clever. Zarmina, also clever. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And one more note. Um, I made one more pun, and I have to mention it. A mole judging distances shrewdly. I'm going to fight you. <laughs> Throw you in the garbage. <laughs> Where you belong. <laughs> Garbage. <laughs> How can I? That's anyway. Not, that's not my fault. He wrote that. I 
just pointed it out. <laughs> terrible. He's also terrible. Yeah. I have a note here that's like Brian J sitting in his study thinking about what to next add to this book. Ah, I know. A tailless otter who's a master of disguises. No explanation or backstory needed. Perfect. <laughs> I love the mess. Like we've we've already talked about the mess. Yes. I love him. He is so interesting, and I wish that we knew more. Yeah. I hope he pops up in another book that I just haven't read yet, because he is very interesting. He is. Like, how did he lose his tail? Why did he decide? Why is to... he good at disguises? What is what? Be? Yeah. Like, hey, be? sir, how did you get this this uh, yeah. occupation? Yeah. Um. And then, like, rip and rest, scratch, murdered by swan. Yep, murder swan. Murder swan. Murder swan. Murder swan. Murder. <laughs> I've never even played that game, but I love how he's freaking hat in time. Thank you for that. <laughs> um, Do you have any more comments to say before I, I read um, the thing that I have in all caps here? Let's see, Verminer Stupid, Jay, I, I do, again, like we mentioned this earlier, but I like how Brian writes battles, because most of the time I hate battles yes. in fantasy books, but he writes them very well. They're usually yes. quick to the point and move on. You know, they don't like go like, yeah. oh, all the brutality. It's like, we know. Get They're well paced, because most of the time when a battle is happening, he is doing those p uh, point of view setting swaps Yes, during them, so that you're not bogged down with a big long fight yes you have things to break it up to keep you engaged yes um and that's honestly a good way to do about it looks at the fucking transformers movies the, the bayformers movies do better the first of all we'd have to get rid of bay so yeah but so okay let's <laughs> do here we go, everyone. Preface, Buckle in. I'm gonna I'm gonna preface this with I'm aware that these are the same animal, and I have been aware that these are basically the same animal for years, but I never connected the dots with these books until last night when I was like, why are the vermin like racist to each other? The stoats, weasels, and ferrets all hate each other, and I wrote stoats, weasels, and ferrets stopped and was like they're the same fucking animal the main difference is like size and there are some anatomical differences um like i believe like sometimes like it comes out like the tails are slightly different the muzzle and the head shape will be slightly different but yeah the big difference is size they're all mustelids yep. I think that live fairly similarly and look very similar, and I realized that that's the fucking point in the books, because they're basically the same fucking animal. I think weasels are bigger. Oh my fucking god. I think <gasps> weasels are the biggest. But yes, it's ridiculous. It's redonkulous. And, we... and this comes back to otters are also mustelids. Yeah, but like I said earlier, otters are cute, so they get a pass. <sighs> uh, excuse me. Ferrets, stoats, and weasels are also cute. Absolutely they are, but it's easier to make them <laughs> villains because they are, like, they're obligate carnivores that eat the main heroes in nature, so. Otters are also obligate carnivores. Yeah, but they eat fish, so again, they get a pass. So do stoats, weasels, and ferrets. Yeah, but fish don't count, you know. 
Like, if we're going to talk about, like, <laughs> fantasy stereotype writing, fish are always the same. I think, like, I'm, like, 80% sure that, like, fish are the reason Zootopians don't eat each other anymore. Like, they say the protein comes from fishing, so. Oh, my God. Terrible. <laughs> also, death coil and whip scale are the worst names. <laughs> yeah, it's not great. Yeah. <laughs> and then we get back to, you know, now we're... we're the end. Logalog. Logalog. I, I, part I of me. I love Logalog I love, so much. I love the Logalog, but I also like a small note on this, on the snake and the newt that like these two little grifters who were just like trying to make a living by cheating people, but the grass snake who was smart enough to dress himself up as an adder. I love him. I want a book about them. I want a book about these two where it's like a buddy. Yeah, but every movie. time we get a book that's written from the vermin's perspective yes that is not out outcast of Redwall. um i guess we kind of get that with tagarung kind of we get that a lot when we've got um quote-unquote woodlander type yeah. characters who are pirates yeah um because pirates are kind of unless if they're specifically like rats and vermin Pirates are kind of a neutral party. They're like they're like the cool pirates. They're like pirates of the Caribbean pirates, where it's like we've got a code of honor. Yeah. Whereas, which like, I mean, to be fair, pirates did. They did. Yeah. They had their whole own fucking society. It's just Brian Jocks really leans in. Brian Jocks. Brian Jakes. I'm sorry, I got you started on that. <laughs> Brian Jakes really leans into the kind of like stere- stereotypes of yeah. pirates, especially in England. Yeah. Because pirates were people who opposed British rule, taxes, and ideals. Yeah, because the uh, monarchy a sucks. A lot of the times. Yeah, and a lot of pirates were still, like, colonizers, but there were also a lot of pirates who weren't. Yeah, like, they were, like, people of color and like, are stuff you, like that. Are you able-bodied? Do you not like the king and or the queen? Will you be happy to be harassing harassing these people? Uh, then fine, you are hired. Get on the mainstays and what have you. <laughs> Where we realize is obvious Kit knows jack fucking shit about boats. Yes, I know. I, I, lived in, I lived in Central California, not the coast. And now I live in, like, the middle of the U.S. Do you think I have a lot of time to spend? You are landlocked. I am a landlubber. I didn't even go to the ocean that much when I did live in California. And when I did, it was just so I could go to the Rude. aquarium. Rude. Yeah. Me. Also, our ocean is freaking cold, though. Don't give me a hard time about you stinking Georgian with your nice, warmer coastal waters. I'd like to see you go take a dip in the Pacific Ocean. The Atlantic is gross. I have taken a dip in the Pacific Ocean. I lived in California. Okay. Which part, though? Like, south? (laughs) Monterey! Okay, yeah, that's the nice part. I'd like to see you do that up in, like, Monterey. That shit's cold. That's cold. I lived in I lived in Monterey. Uh, okay, fine. Yeah, it was cold there. The beach it was always kind of cloudy. The beach was cold and kind of gross, and I still went and put myself in it. Gross. Gross, gross, gross. Don't like ocean. Don't like it. I love I love the ocean. But I, love I was the also things raised on the coast. Yeah. I love the things in it. I don't personally I do not want to be in it. The ocean is my mom and one day she will kill me. <laughs> Valid. Personally, anyway, personally, I love I'm just waiting to get shrews. blown up by the Yellowstone volcano, so... <laughs> uh, that's Sorry. fair. That's fair. I guess no, we should probably fair. cut that out or put a little warning in front of that, because that's kind of morbid. Um, <laughs> we could cut out talking about the ocean. Yeah, okay. Um, 
I love the shrews so much, and I love them in later books. They're they're they do guerrilla warfare, it's, and they're great. It's interesting to oh me my because God. like they're always presented as like a neutral party, but, but they, they always, always they side always on. help the woodlanders. Yeah. It's just like because that, like, they they're kind of dangerous, but it's like are they though? What it is is I think they just don't like adhering to systems of government like that. Yeah, but they don't. Um, there is. A they case. have their own. They have their own system of government. Yeah. Yes. But the vermin try to impose their own system of government on them. And yeah. they're like, no, fuck you. Also, they steal shit and the, the shrews don't put up with that. Yeah. And the woodlanders and the people from the abbey. They will trade with the shrews or like. They, they'll, they'll trade with the shrews or, you know, they're too, they're, they're too pacifists. They're too nice to tell the shrews, you make us uncomfortable, please go away. Yeah, basically. And the shoes are like, yeah, all right. You guys make good food. They, we'll work for you. You guys will trade. Like, they're a neutral party in so much that they, 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 they don't like, it's not that they don't like the woodlanders. It's just, we don't care for the way that you live. We're going to do our own thing and you guys can stay over there. They don't like the vermin because of the things that the vermin do. Yeah. Do you if think the, the people are- in the abbey started doing this, like, the same shit, like, started encroaching on their territory, yeah. doing colonizer bullshit, I think the shrews would be like, no, fuck off. Do you think the shrews are kind of meant to be like the Scots? Or, like, again, this is coming from, like, an American <laughs> who does not know a lot of the... I Honestly, sort of things, I think they're more like the Irish. Yeah. Well, also because, like, they almost have a little bit of, like, a Vikinger Danish air to them because of like it's, how water based yeah. they are in some in some situations like there are some like guasims like logologs who do use a lot of water craft like boats um yeah those are some of my favorite books when they have to go on journeys with the shrews right um but like they're great but like their culture that's how they get to salamanderstrand like 80 percent of the time yeah it's just like well that's just well i mean also to be fair like rivers are like the fastest mode of transport when you don't have roads or like motorized vehicles you hop mm-hmm. on and mossflower and... river goes straight to the fucking ocean yeah of course it does like um it's supposed to it's supposed to but it's just like i don't know again like sometimes the geography of this series but also it flows west like, let me look. Hold on. We're at map time. Yeah, River Moss flows west, and so does the Great South Stream. Wait, hold on. Hold on. No, this. So the River Moss circumvents the mountains, right? It goes. That makes a little bit more sense, kind of. The Great South Stream goes through the mountains. It doesn't work like, like that. Like under them. It doesn't. That's not how that works. It would become a lake, and like maybe, ah. maybe in theory, like depending on what type of. Rock if it these didn't go have. to the ocean, here's the thing: if it didn't go through the mountains to the ocean, and it flowed east, it would make more sense. Yeah. But it goes through the mountains. Well, also into the ocean. Also, it's like the river could. It would go like underground, and if it went that far underground, it would become like a groundwater deposit or an underground lake or something it would spring it wouldn't come back up and go to the ocean like if it starts to tunnel through the mountains it will tunnel down it would not go out through the ocean or, or not unless it was creating ocean. a fucking canyon yeah but they go into underground river caves it should be a and it's like 
no, we need to stop because that's getting into the next part of the book. Yep, yep, okay. (laughs) Anyway, I'm mad about the rivers. They don't make sense. Uh, Most of the geography doesn't make sense. Um, Screams in. Okay, this is... (laughs) We've been recording way over time. Yeah, we're four hours. It it is the first episode, though. And you can, like... And we did do a lot of explanation. And we, and like, again, like, you can trim down stuff that you feel is, like, not important. Yes, I am going to pull stuff out. Yeah. So, okay. So we have... So here's the thing. Here's another thing that's about this. This is a book club. Yep. Uh, if you join our Discord, or you're in another Discord where we are, you can ask us questions about the books. Read along with us, please. We would greatly appreciate that. Um, and ask us questions about um, the books, about things that you want us to talk about, things like that. And we have some questions that we're going to ask each other at the ends of the books every time. Yeah. Um, we may not ask these next time, except for the last question, just because this is the same book. Um, but, so our first question is, what was your favorite weird Abbey food so far? Even though the Abbey doesn't exist yet, there's still, like, plenty of food around. These are basically the Woodlander's food, the Loam Hedge mice food, the Badger food, the Mole food, the Otter food, the Squirrel food. I want to know what in God's green earth... Mrs. Sickle puts in her apple pies that allows them to go through so much abuse. Right? <laughs> like, ma'am. Well, okay, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Okay, 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 okay. I might have an answer to this. So, um, um, Sola. Sola Whaley from, yeah, uh, who Sola. does, like, all sorts of food stuff. She, she does historical food stuff with the History Channel on YouTube now. Okay. And good she for her. compared the first recipe of apple pie in England versus the first recipe of apple pie in America. And the one in England had oats in it. Oh, And it was much thicker and sturdier. It's not like an American sliced apple pie. The American apple pie was fucking applesauce in a crust. Listen, it's good. (laughs) I'll link you. It is good. I will link you that video because it is, it, it, it really explains what, Goody, uh, Goody Stickles pie probably what okay. most of the pies that they travel with were more like is much sturdier that, because there was much sturdier filling. It's and like not only that, but like I do know like in some of like air quotes like ye olden times, um, one way that they would like sometimes a pie would be like eighty percent crust, and then like the twenty percent would be whatever filling. And that's what allowed it to be... It was basically a travel food. It was like a travel ration. Because the crust could take the abuse. And by the time you were ready to eat it, the crust was so broken up, you could get at the food inside. Mm-hmm. So that was like another potential option there. Yeah, I'm trying to find where they were talking about so much fucking food. It's basically any part where they're in Brock Hall. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to find. Because they know that there's there's one. And it's something I've always wanted to eat. Honestly, I think uh, I think the thing that like drives me the craziest is like how they describe cheese. I want the cheese that they make here, except it scares me because like where do you get the milk? Same. <laughs> I'd love to eat the cheese, but I, I don't trust it because where do you get the milk? Where is it? Oh my god. <laughs> oh wait. Uh, hold on. No, where is it? I mean, the candy chestnuts are always nice, but that's because they're candy chestnuts. I've never actually had a candy chestnut. I'm not super fond of nuts. That's fair. Candy chestnuts are also very hard. 
<laughs> you can cut that too if you want. I'm gonna fight you one day. I'm gonna go visit you and I'm just gonna fight you. <laughs> you're, just gonna, you're gonna show up, I'm gonna run to hug you, and you're just gonna like pile drive me into the ground. Yep. <laughs> okay. Where is it? I can't find it. It's. I've always wanted to try the deeper and ever turnip and tater. tater and beetroot pie. Okay, I'm gonna Google that. I bet just someone has a recipe. Yes, there. There's an official Redwall cookbook, and that is in it. I've always wanted to try that. I've always wanted to try um, mint cream. Um, there's so many foods in Redwall that I've always wanted to try. Um, because, like, they're desserts. Yeah. Oh, my God. There's a what YouTube the channel where a guy makes it, too. Awesome. Yes. Well. I've also wanted to try um, um, shrimp and hot root soup. You can have my portion. <laughs> I am wimpy. Um, I cannot handle it. Uh, give me the otter food. Give me. Also, they are eating river shrimp, which are not, like, the best for eating. Like, I'm just imagining, honest to God, like, when they mention the river shrimp, I just imagine, like, straight up crayfish or crawfish. It's not, because they talk about crawfish uh... a couple times. It is shrimp. There are river shrimp. They do exist. They're just not as filling as, like, ocean shrimp. Okay, but this could also um, so fall down to, use to a the case of, of like, the animal sizes being weird, too. Yeah. Maybe for them, well, no, because... I still think when it comes to food, they are, like proportional like they're act like yeah food size because yeah. like so I guess, these are like, very small shrimp i guess like if they were cooking proportionally like an like a single apple would be enough for like an apple pie for them and they've got like whole ass orchards so, <laughs> uh. so did you say what your favorite weird abbey food is i um the cheeses mainly like the way they describe the cheese but that's not weird okay that's weird. not weird that's cheese honestly for me it's like they're like whenever they bring in like the herbs or the edible flowers, which I know people did oh. back then, but like when they're like, oh, you can still do that. Yeah, people still do. Like I've got a friend who grows her own like a bachelor's buttons, which are an edible flower. Um, mm -hmm. Me slightly eyeing the fact that I have some growing out in my yard. Like, hmm. Uh, <laughs> but uh, duckweed. Duckweed. Yeah. Duckweed is really good. It's very watercress. But basically, um, anytime like watercress, like. Anytime they're eating, like, watercress, I'm just like, what is that? Like, that has puzzled me since I was a child. Like, It's kind of like parsley. Yeah. It's just, like, it's stuff like that. We get it in my Asian market all the time. Okay, it's like, when they bring in stuff like that, I'm just kind of like, huh, okay. A little odd, but I'll take it. It's Yeah, it, it's it's kind of like a, it's, it's supposed to kind of be like a parsley, but for, because these are animals, like, it's easier to have, like, a watercress sandwich, because... Right. Also, for them, there's more protein to it than it is for I us. I will also confess that I completely forgot to write write it down. So <laughs> next time, I promise <laughs> I will make an effort to write down a food to talk about. Yeah. Okay. Who is your favorite dibbon? I mean, we don't have a whole lot of choices here. We've got four dibbons. Yeah. It's definitely like Ferdy and Cog. Probably yeah. Cog, because let me see. There's a little scene where they're being interrogated and like one of them kicks the other like, hey, stop talking. It's Cogs. Cogs kicks yeah. Ferdy. Yeah, Cogs. Definitely Cogs is my favorite then because he's the one who's just like, hey, bro, stop being an idiot. I do like their sisters because their sisters at least try. Yeah. I mean, like, they're they're like, sure, we'll help our brother out somehow. <laughs> uh, was there an animal that appeared that surprised you slash did an animal subvert expectations? Uh, the mask? Yeah. The mask. Definitely. But also the swan. I did, like, yes. I did not expect a swan I to suddenly appear. I the 
about the fucking swans, honest to God. Bird. Like because they're just in such a short bird. Yeah. They're in such a short scene. And, but um, it's such a I don't good think, scene. I think it's my favorite scene yeah. out of the whole book, honestly. Yeah, and uh, shout out to Choo Choo from the Roomware Discord for giving us our, our last question, which is, who is the best mouse character so far? Uh, I mean, I guess I've probably gone because, like, he started, yes. he started, like, I will admit at the start of the book, he annoyed me. But towards, like, the latter half, as they actually started on the journey, it was like, okay, I like you now that we're out of like, like it shows that yes he's very carefree but he does have the capability to be serious exactly and, like do what needs to be done he can put his money where his mouth is yeah which is a thing that's been said like all of the people who like talk about gonf have said like you made sure that we were all kept in food by stealing from the um the fortress by stealing from like kotor but this is also a case of like i have been told this thing but now I have been shown this thing. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Gonf, really good. I do also, like I said, I really like Columbine. Um, Martin is Martin. He's, he's a hero. He's the hero character. And like, honestly, like I even like made a note about this where I was just like, cause like I made a bunch of notes and it's like, Martin had been in the book by that point, and I was like, I haven't really said anything about Martin yet, because he hasn't really shown himself He's not to be interesting yeah. besides being fighty and strong. Like, this is a tale being told, and honestly, Martin doesn't get super interesting until his book, Martin the Warrior. He is a plot device in this book. He is, yes. he is the quester, he is the seeker, he is the fighter. He is not a person yeah. to us yet. Um, yeah, like, um... We don't have his backstory. We get a version of this story in Redwall, which makes him sound more interesting because it's a shorthand like, ooh, this is what Martin did to earn the respect and awe of the people of the Abbey. But like also, both of us have read Redwall already, yeah. so it doesn't really add much besides knowing the name and knowing the book has like a good ending, quote unquote. Also, if uh, we do, there's not if we do, a lot in this book that makes him super interesting. If we do remember that this is also supposed to be like Bella telling the story, Bella, girl, yeah. give this guy a little more character. You're the one who sent him off, <laughs> all running over Hell's Half Acre, looking for your grant, your dad. Come on, Bella, give the yeah. guy, give the guy some God. character development. <laughs> <laughs> no, never. Bella, come on. <laughs> Work so yeah, thank you, Choo Choo, from the Room Where It Happened Discord, which is another podcast that's really good. That's an actual play podcast. Um, ah! I almost dropped Choo my mic Choo. again. What? I almost dropped my mic again. Oh my god, stop dropping your mic. I, I, my water is right behind it. It's my first time. I will figure out a better setup, I promise. <laughs> You're good. Um, all right, outro time. Thank you for listening to our first ever episode of Abbey Archives. We are grateful that you lent us our, uh, your ears, and we hope you enjoyed your time with us. Big shout out to Recorders on the Wall, who we I have mentioned a couple of times already. They are a well-established um, Redwall reread podcast, reread and discussion podcast, and they had me on for some uh, one of their food episodes, and they've welcomed us with open arms, essentially. They've given us a lot of good advice on where to post things, stuff like that. They're very friendly. Um, they are a, like, G to, like, PG rated podcast for this, so they don't cuss like we do, but. <laughs> um. This has been Kit. You can find me at Kitsy in a box. That's Kitsy, K-I, yeah, cut that out, please. Um, you can find me at Kitsy in a box on Twitter.com. 
where I post art as well as my little closed species, the Kitsunday foxes with ice cream for tails. Uh, They're very cute. I own a bunch of them. <laughs> Thank you. I'm also doing a little, well, actually that giveaway is going to be over by the time this is out. Scratch that. Uh, okay, go ahead. Yeah, but you do giveaways pretty regularly. Yeah. Um, you also take commissions. Yeah, I take commissions and I can draw like full body characters, things along those lines. Your typical kind of like cartoonish artist, anime inspired, what have you. Kit doesn't do any other podcasts. I this don't. is the only podcast Kit does. This is my first podcast. Um, Have mercy on yes. me. You're doing well, though. Thank you. Um, and I've been Izzy. You can find me on Twitter at the Sean Deer. Um, you can also find me on my other podcast, Hope's Hearth Pod, like at Hope's Hearth Pod on Twitter. Um, Hope's Hearth on any of your podcatchers, which is an actual play a podcast where we play GMless tabletop games uh, set in a Hope solar punk setting um, where we go into, you know, it's politics, gender, found family, uh, as well as like the struggles of living in a capitalist society, as well as the pros and cons of a utopian uh, society. It's very good. There are space dogs. There are space dogs. Our first uh, set of episodes is about dogs. Dogs. It's very good. It's great. Listen, our creation myth is dogs. What's better than that? <laughs> if that doesn't draw you in, I don't know what will. Um, you can also join our Discord, please. It'll be linked in the description. Um, and that's where you can talk to us about the books, um, share other things, talk to other people. Um, there's a couple other like TTRPG creators in there as well. Um, and people from like, uh, affiliate podcast network, um, Standing Stones Podcasting Guild. They're not a podcast network. They are a guild specifically. That's very important. Mm. They're really cool. There's a bunch of podcasts over there. Escafil Files is part of it. Um, along with like Gay Space Rocks, which is a Steven Universe rewatching podcast. Yeah, that's where I hang out the most between the two servers. I'm hang on that one more. <laughs> yeah. Uh, can I? Yeah, ours is very quiet right now because we're very small time, but hopefully you'll join us and talk with us a bunch. Um, and yeah, do we want to try to read this at the same time or do we want one of, uh, do we want one of us to read it? We could trade off like every other episode, maybe? Yeah, sure. Do you want to read it first this time? Thank you. Actually, can you hear that airplane? Sir? No. Okay. <laughs> It's just like I'm getting ready to read like this airplane flies over. It head. might show up on your waveform, but I should be able to cut okay. it out. May your hearth be warm and your heart be merry from us to you at Redwall Abbey. Yay, we did it. <laughs> okay, I'm going to hit stop recording now. No, over we have four. to clap. We have to clap. Oh, we have clap, to clap, 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 clap. Okay, hang we on. Have to clap. Time, 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 time. Time is... Okay. Ten? Uh, sure. Yeah, we'll do the ten. Okay.
Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, please be sure to follow us on Twitter at Abbey Archives. And if you'd like to read along with us, join our Discord, linked in the description below. You can also follow our parent podcast at Hope's Hearth Pod. Remember to wash your paws like good dibbins and take care of yourselves. Bye!